0: to Core, a show on Code Zero Radio that plays bands located in the Fox Cities, a show to find and discover new music, hosted by Andy McNamara.
1: Today's going to be a little different. We've got uh, a couple people here. I want to bring in uh, my co-host for today. Tony from the band horse green how are you doing Tony good how are you I'm doing well I, I want to thank you for for not coming over today and, and doing this mm-hmm. so Horace Green was on earlier in the year and during the course of our conversation you let me know that, uh, that our next guest was sort of an inspiration or you you know admired them so I thought it'd be good to bring oh, yeah of course it'd be good to bring you in as kind of like a, uh, a color commentator like a, a cleanup batter <laughs> if you will sure so uh, my next guest has been involved in the Fox City's music scene for quite some time. He sings and he plays guitar in Redhawks. It's a gentle psych, hard rock uh, band. I'd like to welcome Freddie Haas to Fox City's core. Freddie, how you doing today? Uh, We've known each other for quite some time. Yeah, long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, like, have a first memory of when we met? Or was it just kind of later in your, your oh, music career? you
2: know, I've known about year projects for a long time so i started playing in bands in like 93 94 um so when you guys were getting going is when i was kind of going into my first little lull period so i think we kind of
1: got a pass by
2: passed by a little bit and then you guys took off and i started was started doing some different projects and different things and uh so i always kind of knew about you guys if i didn't have a conversation with you back then but, yeah, it's been a while, 20-some years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, let's talk about, like, where it all started for you. Yeah. Like, what what, uh, what started you playing music? When did you pick up the, the guitar? Was that your first instrument that you started learning? No, about? it wasn't. Um,
2: I... I had fits and starts with guitar. It wasn't an easy thing for me to learn. So as a teenager, I tried to play a little bit, didn't stick with it. I didn't really start playing it in earnest until I was like 21, 22. So a bit of a late, late start with that. I was always just a vocalist in, in bands. So, um, yeah, my start in music was my dad, uh, loved to sing and he played the organ in church and sang. Um, and so I was just always kind of around music, um, I actually played the tuba in school. (laughs) I was a really good tuba player. My dad wanted me to be a polka player. So Um, I kind of grew up around uh, just his love for music. And uh, he was really into early jazz music, like Dixieland jazz and polka music. Um, We had opera records playing at night in the house. So I heard a lot of Pavarotti and uh, um, just big voices, big singing. And uh, I don't
1: know. I'm just like, I want to sing. I want to sing. Your dad wasn't into music, like playing. He, no, just
2: he just played in church. Um, he was never in any bands or anything, um, but he loved to sing and he had a, a good voice. So, yeah, and he was a, a wonderful uh, keys player. He played primarily the organ. We had a nice organ in the house. I think I don't think we had a B three, but we had something similar to a, a B three in our house. So,
1: it, it's interesting because you do hear a lot about you know people get in get into music through church, mm-hmm. like the church bands and, and all that. Was that, I mean, were you going to church? I grew up
2: Catholic like a lot of people around here. You know, you grew grew up Lutheran or Catholic. I was on the Catholic side. We were, uh, my mom is not an American, was not an American citizen until just a couple years ago. She got her citizenship, but uh, she came here from Germany to go to college, met my dad, got married. So my dad comes from all German stock. My mom is completely German too, so grew up going to Catholic mass and I went to Catholic school up until ninth grade. So, um, you know, probably the way I learned how to sing was just singing, you know, the songs at mass. And, um, you know, my parents, but my parents are music lovers. You know, they'd have uh, Peter, Paul and Mary records playing. They'd have, my mom loved Abba. <laughs> Abba was playing in the house all the time. Um, you know, our age, you know, I'm a, a little bit older than you, but you know, m- my earliest, uh, memories of music are the late seventies, early eighties. So, um, I mean, the Beatles were still on the radio a ton at that point. Um, you know, Dylan, uh, we had one of my favorite records my parents would play is uh, Cat Stevens' Teaser and the Fire Cat. I love that record. Um, Motown Christmas. Uh, double album <laughs> so mm-hmm. we still listen to that thing it's awesome the, uh, Stevie Wonder uh, Ave, his version of Ave Maria like I'll play it during the Christmas season and people are like I don't want to hear that I'm like what are you talking about <laughs> it's beautiful <laughs> yeah so music, music there's always music in my house um, and then uh, through skateboarding when I got into skateboarding I probably started skating around 1985 or so but it didn't really like really hit until middle school because everybody was skating in middle school. And so through watching skate videos, there's all these great punk bands in the skate videos and the old Paolo Peralta videos, um, Santa Cruz videos, Streets on Fire. Um, so that through that, I got into punk rock. And then um, some of my band friends in high school, Dan Cashman and Dave. I can't remember Dave's last name. Which is funny because I was actually probably a little closer to Dave. His parents would give me rides all the time to band to band <laughs> concerts because my mom was my mom was working a lot back then, and uh, we started a little project which eventually turned into my fir- the first band I was in uh, called Lugnut. Um, yeah, and I was just singing at that point. I I did have a guitar. And I vaguely remember jam trying to jam with those guys, but when you can only play like two chords, it doesn't go very. Far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there are great punk rock guitar players. You can only play two or three chords, and they they make it work. But I just was, I was horrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because the, the skate scene that that was more of like I'm, I'm guessing like minor threat or you know there's like a music that's typically associated with the the skating scene.
2: Yeah, so a lot of hardcore, and then. Um, you know, it kind of morphed, you know, I was, you have to remember, I was a teenager in high school in 1990 through 1994, so a lot of poppier punk started happening at that point, too. So, like, that's when Green Day got huge, was 93, 94. Now, they were cool until um, they got big, and then they were... Classic. (laughs) Then they were lame. (laughs) Which, you know, to be fair, like, I had the... uh, I had i was very lucky that i was around older skate guys like uh, james baker who um owned crunch skate shop in appleton and then went on to have streets of fire in oshkosh um and so i got educated uh pretty early by him about what i should listen to and what i shouldn't listen to <laughs> some tough love mm. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean we. I was in a. It's it's inter- interesting because I think back and I, I listen to that music a lot still now. Not constantly, but I'll go back to it. Like I was, I drove up to Sturgeon Bay yesterday, um, to visit my uh, other skate shop location up there, and I was just listening to Dag Nasty the whole way up because members of Dag Nasty. Are playing at the Lyric Room coming up? I guess not. Not my favorite members. The the sec, kind of the second wave. I'm a huge Dave Smalley fan and Brian Baker fan. Uh, obviously, Brian Baker was in Minor Threat and then Dag Nasty, and now he's in Bad Religion, which I don't understand Stadium Punk Rock at all. But that's that's rad that they can do that. Um, uh, but yeah, I was listening to it. and It's like man, in that era, m- mid late '80s to early '90s the guitar riffs in a lot of punk rock were more like metal. They weren't like what they became, this pop punk three chord kind of thing. It was a mm-hmm. lot of like um, just virtuoso guitar solos and like more metal and stuff. And it's like, it's it's just interesting to think back how music has evolved like that. I kind of liked that zone more. And that's the punk band I was in in high school. We thought we were pop punk, I guess, because of the era. That's what was being talked about, but listening back to our recordings from back then, like, the guitar players in my band were playing more metal-ish stuff, more metal-ish riffs, and then you sing a poppy punk vocal over it, but um, yeah, that was my first uh, foray into music, and uh, kind of in that zone, in that era, it was okay to just have a vocalist and everybody else played their instruments, right, but it became trios, or four pieces became more popular and you didn't see guys just singing anymore so it's like oh crap <laughs> if i want to keep doing this i need to play something too so then i started picking up the guitar and like i said it was a bunch of fits and starts and uh i know a lot about music i don't like using any of the theory that i've learned of it. in fact i've forgotten most of it um
1: did I, you take lessons i took lessons at different times
2: but again i wouldn't stick with them i would never like take lessons for years i'd take like three or four and be like okay that's good (laughs) (laughs) like everything i play guitar is pretty much self-taught i mean people have showed me stuff but i don't it's not like i'm stubborn but i just like i don't know i just kind of like i just like playing i don't like thinking about what i'm doing
0: yeah right
2: you know and some people just like get so mad when I say that stuff because they're so, they know exactly where they want to go and what they're doing and like, well, I know this works with that and all these things and that's that's awesome, but I just, I don't do music like that, I guess. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, when you were just singing in the band, what was the the band's name? Do you remember the Lugnut was the
2: oh, first. That was the- yeah, lugnut. So, yeah. uh And you you mentioned you know as we were chatting before um, before the show started today, you had uh, Norb here a little bit ago. We played a, a set in Norb's kitchen up in Green Bay. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of our like badges of honor. Like, hey, we got to play. Not everybody gets to play in Norb's kitchen. We got to play in Norb's kitchen.
1: So well, that was probably towards the beginning of Boris then, right? Uh, yeah. It was during Boris. Yeah, during the early part of Boris for sure.
2: So like Boris was a huge in influence influence although i i can't hold a candle to norb like i know not many people could (laughs) so i wasn't trying to emulate him but it was like just his bravado and just like he lives you know he lives it you know that's him you know and it's like well i feel passionate about this stuff too like this is i guess this is who i'm gonna be and now here I am, 46 years old, doing the same stuff, <laughs> which I have no problem with. But yeah, it's gets crazy to think back about that,
1: yeah. So, so why did Lugnut kind of burn out? Uh, You know, normal
2: band stuff, like, I mean, to be fair, it's hard to get along with people for a long time. I I was probably as much the issue as the other guys, too. And I love all those guys now. Like, we're friends and stuff, huh? Um, and just high school drama you know not knowing how to handle like well this person said this so I don't want my band to fall apart I'm going to talk to this other person to see like if they're going to drop out maybe this person can fill in and they heard that I mentioned that to that person and they're like how dare you this is my band and I'm like I thought you were going to quit so I (laughs) Uh, so you know you get in a heated argument and I I just quit because I I couldn't handle I left crying and it was uh it was pretty devastating for me um but you know I'm i'm gonna lay my cards on the table i'm a pretty sensitive guy i mean in some ways that's good in other ways it gets me into trouble because you know being in bands people say stuff about you being in bands with other band members who they're not as sensitive they can say something and they don't think it's a big deal they're just speaking their truth or whatever it's like Mm -hmm. i've had to learn bands have been wonderful for me to work out that in myself but it's also you know it's Things get, get gnarly in the practice space sometimes, or after a show, or whatever. Yeah, that band Lugnut. Um, the guy who was playing lead guitar, his girlfriend really wanted him to sing, and I didn't know this it was going on behind the scenes. They were pushing to push me out anyway, so it was a good thing I quit. I probably would have gotten kicked out anyway. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, so then you stopped. You kind of stopped doing music for a while after that project, or did you have another thing? Um,
2: I took I took about a year break. Um, I was trying to write songs, but I wasn't playing guitar, so I was just writing vocal melodies and lyrics. But then, um, some younger guys, younger than me, a couple years younger than me, um, Tony Conrad, who worked at um, Borderline Skate Shop, although I think, I can't remember exactly if he was already working there or he worked there afterwards, but um, he grew up in Freedom and he a bunch of guys. Uh, Scott Anders was one of those um, guys in that band, too. Jim New Neighbor, I think, if I'm remembering the names right. Um, they were starting up an emo band. Like Midwest emo, not not like uh, My Chemical Romance mm-hmm. or that kind of emo. Um,
0: Pop emo.
2: Yeah, like this was more like coming out of punk. So um, it was funny because they knew me from Nut and they, they liked, you know, Lugnut was kind of in its own way a bigger band in the scene uh, uh, for whatever reasons. Um, just what we did. I don't think we were cool or anything. I just I don't know. <laughs> Who knows why bands are, are some bands are cool and some bands aren't. I I don't know. I can't pretend. So what's it like
0: to be just the singer in a band?
2: Uh yeah. You feel really naked up there. Yeah, you I know, can imagine. Knowing the having the knowing what it's like to have a guitar as kind of a shield mm-hmm. in front of you and then just being up there holding a mic and like, do I dance? Do I jump around? Right. Like and I would move around a little bit but I was not I was not uh, the most expressive.
0: Not a, not a Mick Jagger type? No, I was not strutting <laughs> by any means.
2: <laughs> yeah, but uh, the, the, so these guys, uh, we, they asked me to sing with them, and um, they were, I think they were wanting to do more melodic hardcore, and I was up there like doing my best minor threat Ian McKay thing because <laughs> I was really angry about music and, and that other band falling apart, and which I just laugh at now because... What's the big deal? Just go do something else. If somebody doesn't want you around, just go do something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was that was really fun. Like, you know, I shaved my head. I was, you know, we'd play a basement show, and I'd be hanging from the rafters and screaming in people's faces and writhing <laughs> around on the floor. So th- at that point, I got a lot more expressive.
0: Oh, yeah, right. Without a guitar.
2: <laughs> 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 just throwing the mic at people. <laughs>
1: Are there any recordings from this time, any video? Did you guys go in the studio at all? No, we didn't, because it was only like a nine-month thing. And I can't remember why it fell apart.
2: It didn't fall apart on bad terms or anything. Um, but yeah, we unfortunately, I would like to hear some of that stuff, because I think those songs were, were pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I did that for a bit. That fell apart. And then I probably didn't play music in bands again. I was always playing music at home, trying to write stuff. And at that point... After that band fell apart, I started to try to really learn how to play guitar. And uh, um, the next project I was in after that was like a full-on Midwest emo band um, with a good friend of mine, uh, Matt Rogula and uh, Chris Dietz. And um, actually, Kevin was in the band first. It was just two guitars, so Matt Rogula and I, Matt sang lead. I sang harmonies and a little bit of backup. And then uh, Kevin, I can't think of Kevin. Kevin's one of my best friends. From the music scene, especially back then. <laughs> I can't remember his last name. But anyways, great drummer. He was in Sunday Flood for a while. He's been in tons of stuff. Um, he's a great drummer. Um, we I, I was in that band, and by that time I was full on playing guitar. So Matt had great songs, and he had come back from going to school in Europe. Um, I had just gotten married. And, this was 2000. And uh, I'm like, you have good songs. I want to play guitar, I want to play in bands again, so let's do this, and so we did that band for three years, um, called Von Brahm, and uh, that was in the kind of the Appleton Nina music scene, uh, Oshkosh a little bit too, um, but that that was cool, so at that point, by 2000, I was playing guitar all the time, just, no more just singing any music I've been in since then,
0: it's been
2: in involved with guitar as well too so
0: were you always the front man in these bands
2: no so that band von brahm i was just the lead i guess lead guitar player although my leads are not (laughs) extravagant by any means um i kind of come from the neil young school of guitar playing Mm -hmm. so that's a good school (laughs) yeah holding single notes (laughs) for bars on end
1: (laughs) we uh we're getting a phone call you guys so if you want to throw those headsets on sure all right. You are on with Freddie Haas. What's your question? What's your favorite instrument?
2: What's my favorite instrument? Well, guitar is my favorite instrument. Uh, do you, Are you asking what guitar is my favorite guitar?
1: They already dropped. Ah,
2: <laughs> Gotcha. Well, we can talk about guitars. Uh, do I need to keep these on? You can take them off. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, my favorite instrument... Overall is the Fender Jazzmaster. Um, I love the way they feel, the way they sound. Um, Although I do, my favorite pickup is not the pickup that goes in the Fender Jazzmaster. I like the Fender wide-range humbuckers from the 70s. (laughs) Um, So a band like Sonic Youth, they'll drop those pickups into Jazzmasters, and I think that's the best guitar that Fender never made. (laughs) Um, So that's what I play. I play Jazzmasters. My main one has those wide range humbuckers dropped into it, and I've also been playing a lot in the past year. I have a 1973 Telecaster Deluxe, which has those pickups in its stock. Um, That guitar is awesome. It took me Probably three years to get it playing again, though. I needed new frets. Those pickups both died in the process of buying it and having it for a while, mm-hmm. so I had to have them rewound a couple of times, but uh,
1: it finally sounds great. But,
2: yeah, Fender Jazzmaster with 70s Fender wide-range humbuckers in it. That's my favorite instrument.
1: You're watching and listening to Fox City's Core on WCZR Code Zero Radio. Our guest today is Freddie Haas. We also have Tony Oakley from Horace Green co-hosting the show today. Thank you both for doing this today. Now, where did we leave off, Freddie? You were talking about uh, von Braun, van Brahm. Am I saying von that? Von right? Brahm, yeah. Is that like a a German name?
2: Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the Matt, the uh, the leader of the band, he liked uh, v- Werner von Brahm um, was a rocket scientist who came over after World War II. Um, kind of helped with the space race. Actually, was the the main guy behind the, the space race, getting us. The rock, right rockets to go to the moon, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but he liked the name, but he spelled it wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up with just a, a version of that, um, Von Braun, instead of Von Braun or whatever the technical, the right spelling is. But anyways, yeah, that was a great band. I love being in that band.
1: So when, when that band started in 2000, the places to play were like the... New Moon or Blue Moon, and yeah, and- we
2: played both of those a lot. Um, we played, we travel out a little bit further. Like we play in Marshfield, and um, we played in Milwaukee, um, Green Bay. Yeah, I mean the scene was different then. than... well we first grew up with like there was
1: it's kind of an emo theme like emo screamo kind of thing yeah
2: yeah and you know it's it's interesting to see how the scene around here and i don't even know what the scene is anymore technically it's this weird amorphous thing but um back then oshkosh was the epicenter of new good interesting um I guess I would say honest music, whereas, you know, just guys trying to be creative. And
0: What year are you talking about?
2: 2000. Um, so the bands we would be playing with that I would be excited about playing with, especially, um, would be like uh, Chinaski. Um, that was at the tail end. Actually, they, were, they might have been just done already at that point. I think they were. They played their last show before. But... Um, one of the bands that came out of that project was congratulations on your decision to become a pilot, um, kind of out of that scene, similar, um, Steve McKay was in that band, Eric Van Thiel. And then, um, uh, at some point Andrew Johnson joined too, Andrew Johnson from Janasky. Um, so we were playing with some bands that those guys are still, um, they're my, my touchstones, um, people I actually know and play with those guys are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously for me, like a guy like Ian Mackay is, is is up there too. Um but for the guys I know and personally have played music with and where I've gone to see them play and just had my mind blown, like at that point in the scene, um, Oshkosh was the center of the music world for me. Um and still is in a lot of ways because of those guys. Um so yeah, we we're playing, you know, coffee houses and, and you know there wasn't a ton of places to play back then. You had, kind of had to travel if you wanted to play. A Where'd
0: lot. you play in Marshfield? Um,
2: There was a coffee house there downtown. I don't remember the name of it. Um, but yeah, they were doing shows there. Um, and uh, Matt, the, the singer in our band, the leader of our band, he had some connections there with people, so we'd go and play there.
1: Um, yeah. And then after that project disbanded, like how long was...
2: So uh, Matt got... I think Matt just didn't want to do it anymore. Um, so we did that for three years. And then Matt joined a band from Madison, an uh, alt-country band called the New Kentucky Quarter. And I kind of just tagged along um, with him and joined that too. So, um, And I was in that for
1: two, two years, I think. Singing or just playing guitar?
2: Just uh, playing lead guitar, which I'm not a lead guitar player. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think with that band... Um, <clears throat> got to the point where they wanted probably more of a traditional like blues riff bass guitar player and that's just not my my thing (laughs) so i ended up leaving that band and um we had we had a lot of fun in that band for a while, but then it, it wasn't it wasn't fun for them to have me in the band <laughs> anymore. <laughs> they wanted something different. So uh I left that band and then I just started playing solo for a little bit and then duo. Tate joined me pretty quickly after I left that band. Um twelve year old Tate Sampson <laughs> playing in bars with, with oh, me. Oh wow. <laughs> I was thirty years old <laughs> playing with a twelve year old kid in bars. How and, did
1: you meet Tate? Like how did you run into him? Um, so
2: his dad, Greg, is um, probably my closest friend. Like it's like a, it's a tie between Greg and Tate as being my clo- dad and son. Which is, <laughs> Greg is 14 years older than me. Tate is 18 years younger than me. So I'm kind of this weird like brother uncle
0: <laughs>
2: thing. Um... But yeah, I was going to Greg's church. He started this uh, new church called San Damiano that was less traditional, a little more like uh, trying to figure out how to love people more gracefully and differently than what the church had historically up to that point. And I was, I was into that. I was, I wanted a, a something for my my spirituality. I'm a pretty spiritual person. Um, I have a you know. I grew up that way, and it makes sense to me, and it works in my life. And uh, So I met Greg through that, and then his son played guitar. Uh, we were at a Christmas party, and uh, Tate was um, hanging out with the younger kids in the basement, and he, there was an acoustic guitar down there, and he was just riffing. I'm like, oh, you can play. Like, Well, i got some songs we should jam sometime. And it became apparent to me really quickly that this kid was the, the best guitar player I had ever seen. Like, I would play, I played my song, and within, like, 30 seconds, he already knew the song. He was already laying out beautiful um, harmonizing lines or, or leads over it, and I was like, oh, my God, like, he, his knowledge of guitar playing is, like, I don't understand it. It's <laughs> otherworldly. He doesn't even, he's not thinking about what he's doing. It just
1: happens. So you guys started playing as a duo, under not Red Hawks.
2: No, just I don't even know what we build this stuff as. Uh, there was a girl, a young woman, who uh, we played with as a trio for a little bit, and that project was called Sparrowhawk. But when Tate and I first started playing, I think it was just billed probably as me, as Freddie Haas, and or maybe Freddie Haas and Tate Sampson. But that was pretty pretty short lived, and then we became Sparrowhawk for a season, maybe a fall or a spring, and then it turned into Red Hawks pretty quickly after she she moved to New York, I think. Um, and we just kept it going Tate nine. And, and then we added Tommy um, Bishop, who had been in ivory, um, and then also Jessica Veruda, who had been in ivory as well.
0: Is that Tate on the uh, guitar solo on in the intro in uh, Reappear?
2: Yeah. I yeah, love that. Yeah. yeah. I, it's pretty rare that I solo on any of our songs, though. <laughs> I mean, when you have a guy like that who just, like, he looks at the guitar and it makes beautiful noise, it's like, why would you want me playing the lead on something? <laughs> so when, when
1: Jessica was in the band, she was playing keyboard. She right?
2: was a bass player at first.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, so switched from, could do both? Or-
2: yeah, well, yeah, she's a wonderful multi-instrumentalist. So um, she came in as the bass player, but then she, eventually she's like, well, I, I want to play guitar and, and keys. I'm like, okay, well, let's find a bass player, and then we'll shift you over. So Adam K- came in. Well, actually, it was Connor Lemieux first before Adam. Um, Connor, who from the Midwestern Charm um, and various other projects he's been in since then, he does a lot of solo stuff too. So he was a bass player for about a year or so, um, and then we brought in Adam for or Adam uh, who's our current bass player.
1: Did Did you guys have a Did you and Tate as a duo have a lot of material that ended up translating into red hawk songs we
2: did yeah at first um but we then we we just wrote a bunch of new stuff too so um eventually that old stuff kind of fell away as we were writing with tommy tommy's very involved in the writing process he has great ideas about trying different things and moving well let's move this part here or let's uh, shorten that or do this so um it became apparent pretty quickly that like we should just write stuff with tommy write new stuff
1: how many, not to get too ahead here, but how many songs would you kind of, uh, guesstimate you, you and Tate have written together, even songs that aren't like in the catalog? I mean, if you're considering things that might not have gotten
2: recorded, but we've played, um, at length, um, whether a couple practices or over a season or two, like I would say maybe 80, 80 songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And some of them stick, and others. I'm sure you guys know. Like this, it seems cool for a while. You're playing it, and then that, and something else. But what happens with me is like I'll be working on something, and Tate and I will be working on something, and then, uh, you're you're chopping away at it. You're trying to make it fit work, and then this new idea that doesn't relate to the song at all comes in and then suddenly you have like a whole song that came out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and then you focus on that. And that other thing you were working on just kind of falls away. Yeah.
0: Kind of like the new exciting thing Mm -hmm. is exciting here too.
2: Yeah. Or just this works. So this thing doesn't quite, it's kind of wonky, not exactly what I want, but this new thing slides in and it just, it works. So it's like, well, drop that and focus on this new thing.
1: Mm -hmm. This is a a good part in the show to do band (laughs) reaction. And this is where we play a previous guest. Uh, question and get your reaction. So, if you want to throw the headset on there,
0: and reaction, Bad reaction.
2: My question is as follows. What are the advantages and disadvantages of having a band name that is pluralized with an S as opposed to a single word band name such as The Clash, The Jam, The Damned, etc.? That's it, man. That's my question.
1: Perfect. So, uh, <laughs> obviously, that was Reverend Norb. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for me personally, it's it's just a a, a preference thing. I don't like the in front of a band name i don't know i just it became a trend i guess a trendy thing for there not to be the the where historically it's the beatles the rolling stones the this the that the. the and I, i'm i just like well, why don't we shorten it mm-hmm. i come from the school of uh um writing that hemingway like just get to the point short terse just say it so i, I like brevity um and you'll notice that if you examine my lyrics a lot too, like uh, there's not a lot, of, I'm not a storyteller in my, I am telling a story, but you can't tell exactly what I'm talking about unless you listen to it a while. And I'll cut words out. It won't be grammatically correct. It's just like more, I guess more like the Dylan school of songwriting. Like it sounds good. I don't know what it means, mm-hmm. but it sounds good. <laughs> so long story short, I don't like the in front of things. So, um, I've thought about that too. Like, you know, we got a lot of criticism early on, like Red Hawks. That sounds like a college football team. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I like Red-tailed Hawks. There's a lot of them around here. Like I've always felt like a connection to them when I've seen them in the sky. Like I reflect on it, meditate, whatever you want to say. And there are a lot of them around here. And I wanted to reference uh, our community, what goes on around here and just kind of. I like birds a lot. Obviously, the Jayhawks, that band, that's a huge influence of mine from more of the country um, side of music thing. I have so many different influences, but I love the the Jayhawks, too. So it's like, well, it kind of sounds cool. My brother-in-law used to think, though, that it was Fred Fred Hawks the Fred Hawks <laughs> he swore that that's what the band name was and and Tate and I laughed about this afterwards it's like well if you think about my name so if you shorten it I prefer Freddie, but I people used to call me Fred all the time and I wouldn't correct him because I was just too shy I prefer Freddie, um uh but Fred Haas is really similar to Red Hawks I had I did not do that intentionally, but
0: <laughs> maybe subconsciously I did. I don't know. The Fred Hawks are gonna be your your cover band <laughs> in the way future. Yeah. So yeah, I don't like the
1: in front of it. Yeah, I don't know. Just a preference thing. <laughs> Well, so when the, uh, the Redhawks kind of started... Redhawks, not the... When Redhawks... <laughs> oh. <laughs> it is really hard, isn't it? I know, it, it so is, like... right? So when, when Redhawks started, mm-hmm. you guys were writing songs. You and Tate already had stuff. You brought in the extra members. You, you recorded an album that I can't find anywhere anymore. It looks like it's not on Spotify or... You yeah. Know, is uh, that...
2: Well, I... we recorded it. We, first thing we recorded, this is a funny story, uh, an EP uh, with Tony Battaglia. He was a producer who used to come into the downtown Starbucks when I was working there. Um, he worked with Paramore. He produced some Paramore stuff. He produced some Run-DMC records in the 80s. He worked with Keith Richards. He was in the Casey, Casey and the Sunshine band. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. That song, I always forget the name of this band. It's a new rock band, the uh, Staring down the barrel of a 45 or whatever that huge like new rock. Song. Shinedown? Shinedown. He produced and wrote those early Shinedown songs and records too. So, anyways, he had a home studio out in Wild Rose. And through just talking to him, he we agreed to to he agreed to to produce our and record our uh, our EP, our first EP. So that that was just crazy because that guy is intense. I mean, he's kind of I would say it's from that old school mold of a uh, record producer engineer where it's like not quite Phil Spector, but like I wouldn't have been surprised to see him have a handgun on the recording console <laughs> and uh, you know, just working with him. He's he, such an amazing musician from the standpoint of knowing how to craft again, knowing how you play music a certain way to get a certain result. Like, whereas I just play what, feels good and oh that sounds cool i'll do that and working with him like just getting berated for like the way i played and the way i sang (laughs) it was Mm -hmm. like oh boy this is not the school of music that i i I gravitate towards or that i came up in so um we ended up with an ep that sounds cool but it's super like glossy and shiny and Mm -hmm. um not punk rock at all It was a cool learning experience, but I think all of us in the band at that point, we uh, we still laugh about it. Like, yeah, we really did that. That was intense.
0: Like that was with Red Hawks?
2: Yeah, that was the first thing we recorded and put out there. Um, and Tony was really cool to work with us. So I mean, he just he's he's old school and comes from a different way of doing music. And we just yeah, we weren't up to snuff
0: when it comes to that kind of stuff. You How'd know? you guys get in touch with him?
2: Well, he was just a customer coming into Starbucks when I was working there, and we just you know I. I'm really good at making small talk with people, um, which is hilarious because I'm such an introvert. But um, I come from a, fa- uh, a family line of small business owners, and both of my grandparents on uh, my grandfather's on both, you know my mom's father and my dad's father they're both schmoozers, and I get that from them. Apparently, um, <laughs> baby I, schmooze. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm genuine though. I'm not I'm not trying to like build someone up just to get, get stuff. Like I love people. I genuinely love people, but, um, yeah, small talk with this hotshot record producer guy. And and somehow it just worked out that he wanted to work with us. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. I I gotta have it. So so one of us has it somewhere. Like we obviously, you know, you make a ton of CDs to bring the price down and you end up with a box somewhere.
1: Yeah.
2: For ever. So I know they're around, but then the other, the next record after that, I think that's the one you were probably referencing the first full length. Yeah. Um, I can get you a copy of that. I have a couple boxes of those too. <laughs> that one we made um, with Dan McMahon of uh, Miles Nielsen and the Rusted Hearts down at his studio in Rockford, and that that record is really
1: cool. That studio looks really awesome. Yeah, like it's in a, like a kind of a, a kind of a farmyard house kind of area. Yeah, it's, it's, like an, a big it, house. it's in an old
2: farmhouse, and I think the at le- the time when we were down there recording, uh, the rest of the uh, Um, property was being used as a landscaping business, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, So it's kind of out in the country a little bit. Um, But yeah, we we stayed there. There's bedrooms upstairs, so we stayed there. Um, We took three trips, I want to say, down to make that record. Um, You know, and that was cool, too, because there's, like, all these keyboards in the hallway leading to the control room, and it's like, oh, yeah, those are Rick Nielsen's stuff, and this is Rick Nielsen's stuff, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, wow. I mean, obviously, you know, if you're around Miles and his crew, like, the connection to Cheap Trick, but to be that close, it was like, okay, that's cool.
1: So were you happy with how the, the album turned out?
2: Yeah, overall, um, but you, again, you guys know how this is. It's like <laughs> you listen to it a million times and you think it's good, and then you get home after it's out, and it's like, oh, man, I should have sang that part. I should have not held that note and held this note. Mm-hmm. Or my guitar tone should have been a little thicker there, or a little thinner there. It's like you can nitpick. But overall, it was like the truest representation of what I hear in my head or feel in my heart of when Hawks are playing. So, And then the, the, our latest record, which is six years old now, which is crazy.
1: It's um, a great album, Phase.
2: Yeah, that got even closer. Um, so the hope is with each project that you get a little truer to what like your live sound, what you feel about the song, what you kind of picture in your head about
1: the song. So you did You did Phase at Rock Garden? We did, yep, yeah. and we
2: did that one live, which was the first time we'd done something live in the room together. We did some minimal overdubs, but all three of us are playing in real time in the room together, so the big it's room.
1: Seems like a great idea. Like, I know for a while, like we're talking about kind of trends and stuff. Like for a while, it was like big to say, "Well, we did this live." You know, it was kind of like a badge of honor because I think at the time Pro Tools was coming out and everybody was making yeah. stuff. But um, when you did that album, you seem like the kind of guy that likes to revisit and constantly kind of evolve a song? Like, was that hard for you to just do it live and then be like, okay, well that's it right there. You know, all of a sudden like a week later you hear something and you're like, ah.
2: Yeah. I mean, there is, that is one of the drawbacks, right? Um, but again, based on my limitations as a guitar player, I play better when I'm actually playing, really playing with people. I'm horrible at playing to something in the headphones. I'm either ahead or behind in in not good ways. Like, there's a good way to kind of backphrase or get ahead. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just all over the place when I'm playing the headphones. So it was more practical that way. Um, and I, I wrote stuff. Like, there's there's guitar stuff I played on there. It's like, I don't even know what I played there. <laughs> it sounds awesome, but to try to recreate <laughs> it live, it's a good problem to have where it's like, that's really cool, but I don't, what did I do? I don't know. Yeah. So, there's some magic going on in that session for sure. When that, I think that was the biggest thing about that record, where it's like, yeah, like it was, it was loose. And again, Tommy, our drummer, he is a machine on the drums. So we really, I think, we went into the studio with a, a, half of those songs not even finished. We're like, we're just gonna do this right now and see what happens. And um, I think that was a challenge for him, but he's such a he's such a sweetheart. He just kind of he went along with us and. We made it work, and it was I can really cool.
0: hear the live, the liveness in that album. Now I didn't know it was live recorded.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we did did some overdubs on guitar, and uh, excuse me, <clears throat> um, but it was really minimal. It was really minimal. So it's like that's what I'd like to do again. But I don't know that going into uh, to the studio with Steve. I, every project's different. I don't know what mm-hmm. what we're gonna do. So,
1: well, it's a question for Tony. So a couple of questions. When did you first hear? Red Hawks. And the second question, you're from the era where studios are kind of in your house. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, when you're looking at a project and, and listening to like FaZe or something, do you kind of get the itch to try the studio thing or you know, at a place like Rock Garden or do you, are you just going to keep doing the home recording?
0: Um, I mean, it's always cool. Every studio has its own sound, so I think it's always a good idea to keep doing different studios. We actually we did um, our last one at Honeytone Studio. So I think this one, we're kind of half in between. Our next one is because we built this studio, so we have a studio space-ish, but it's kind of like we're doing it ourselves, so I don't know if that makes any sense but i personally I, I don't know i think you get a different sound depending on the room i think the room has a lot to do with it and especially with recording drums
2: yeah the drums like at rock garden you can tell like if you listen to a couple things that are made there like you know that drum sound like, yeah it has a very distinct it's like a, big,
0: sound. a big room yeah sound. he's
1: yeah. got the best nerd drum i've ever heard too yeah well it hit that
2: man there was just some really cool sounds there that we weren't expecting so yeah but to your point like i think the goal would be to get to the point where you've know like you can pinpoint. well i want this sound and i know i can get it at this place Mm -hmm. so we'll go do this part of the album there or or the whole thing maybe
0: i just it's cool to just go into a new environment and see what happens too
2: yeah, I'm so affected by the environment I'm in. It's just, like I said, I'll play, so, I'll play something differently or, or come up with something on the fly. and, and it, I don't know, I talk, I talk about this a lot, and uh, certain people get really mad at me about it. And it's like, some people come from the school of music, seemingly, that it's how much work you put into it, your knowledge, and you control what you're doing. I don't feel like I can control anything. I just let things come in. Like, when I'm writing a song, I just sit down and play. And then suddenly there's parts of a song, and oftentimes there's a whole song that kind of just comes in. It's like, well, I didn't craft that. That kind of f- is flowing through me from somewhere else. And I don't know how that works, but I can feel it. I can mm-hmm. feel that something's going on there.
0: I agree. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking but about. But I've
2: gotten screamed at, and I've seen other people um, just like, no, that's bol- that's BS. Like. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I caught it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you need to use your knowledge and you control it and blow, And I'm like,
0: no, I, I'm not doing anything. I'm just the you know I'm the conduit. Like, yeah, I feel like that's how it really is. I'm, I I would have trouble understanding how you do it any other way.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can practice to get your dexterity up so that you can try to translate whatever you're feeling. But like, I'm not creating anything. It's just it's coming. It's it's hanging in the ether somewhere, and I'm just. Sometimes it comes, and other times you go like months with nothing,
0: and yeah. That seems to be what the the best songwriters say: is it just comes out of nowhere? You're just the lightning rod. Well, I don't know if I'm one of the best <laughs> songwriters, it
2: but it, that's the only way to make sense to me. I don't know.
0: Yeah,
1: we we got a, a question from uh, Dan Dickey. He asks, "What song have you written that has become more true over the years?" Oh man.
2: I think for me, the the newest ones are always the most true because, I mean, hopefully I'm growing. And uh, for me, like, my music for me is, I don't like performing songs or getting up on stage for attention. I'm an introvert. I hate it. I hate that part of it. But I love sharing because I... I'm such a fan of other people's music. It's like, oh, that's so cool. You, that makes me feel this way, or makes me want to yell or scream or or skate harder or do this or that. And I want to I want to be part of that community. So here, this is what I'm doing, so I, I can participate with what you guys are doing because I just wanna I want to hang with other musicians that mm-hmm. inspire me and in good music. And um, so for me, music is that, but it's also like therapy like I'm working out my emotions and my feelings and again the listener might not know that because my lyrics aren't so straightforward I'm not telling a like a story a straightforward story or narrative but um so my songs are always like where am I at emotionally right now what am I like Tate and I talk about this a lot all the songs where I I write the vocals and the lyrics it's um it kind of starts out about a character or a person I know specifically And focusing on something they were doing, reflecting on that. But then it flips, and then it's about how I'm reacting to it, or what is this thing in me that causes me to react to to a person that way, or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. My mom is a master's level psychologist. So I think (laughs) that's my psychology. My therapy is my songwriting. Like, again, it's probably a lot of this, like, coming from somewhere else. Like, hey, Freddie, like, you should work on this thing in you because. You should be happier. You should be healthier.
0: Kind of talking it out through the song. Yeah,
2: I exa- sing it out. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. This one is from Dan, Freddie. If you could assemble a supergroup of dudes from the Valley to do a Discord Records tribute, who do you pick, and what and what would they be playing in that Discord
2: Records? wow
1: first of all i know you would pick me and tony but let's get rid of it we'll take those <laughs> yeah options so we'll, off just, the we'll table. just
2: sideline that for now Background obviously dancers. um discord records oh man that's my that's my zone like that's wow i would have a hard time putting myself in there because those <laughs> that catalog is just so that's like the grail right there for me um but i would say um easily andrew johnson um Steve McCabe, Eric Van Thiel, um, Tate, definitely Tate Sampson in there. Um, Chad Lorgy on drums. Um, Todd Lemish, who was in Chinaski. Man, there's, this, it's tough because there's so many great players. Like uh, John Schneider from Vesicular Basalt, he would be amazing in there. Brian Crane from Vesic, uh, Rick Timmers from Vesic. Um,
1: man probably Eric Krieger
2: should go in there too. Like, man, there's,
1: I don't know. be a big super group. Yeah, it'd be huge. <laughs>
2: you know, but you could have different pairings on different songs, you know. Um, you know, and it's 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 tough too because you don't want to slight anybody, but I'm thinking of guys who feel that, that way about music, and that's, you know, they've played that kind of music or, you know... There's so many great musicians, but you want to, I would I personally wouldn't want to put someone who doesn't identify with that music into that, that super group. But yeah, sorry if I have slighted anybody in my comments about who should be in that group, but <laughs> that's what comes to mind. Yeah. Kev, I'm sorry. Kevin DeMars, my buddy, who was the drummer in Von Bram, who I couldn't remember his name before. Kevin would be amazing in that group too. Amazing drummer. Um, and he loves that music too. So
1: we, uh, we have another question. Uh, Todd, Todd Belke. Todd. <laughs> yeah. shout out to Todd. his question is is there if there was a show of local bands covering each other's songs who do you want covering your tunes and which local bands would you want to cover them thank you for the questions that's a good one though. that's a really good question, question. <clears throat> man
2: that's a hard one to shoot from the hip on um well i'd like these guys to cover some of our songs for sure um the Present Age. Am I getting the name right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so bad to remember names. <laughs> I know those guys. I love them. But yeah, Present Age, those guys, I'd love to hear them do our stuff. Um, and then obviously, like, uh, uh, Haunted Heads, which is uh, Rest in Peace. Um, love that band, too. Like, those guys doing it, too. Um, any of those guys, Andrew Johnson, Eric Van Steve McCabe, that'd be cool. But again, it's like, ah, do you... Do you want guys that are so good and have written such amazing songs? Like, you're going to play my stupid little songs. <laughs> but, uh, no, that I, that's what comes to mind. Um, Man.
0: That'd be a great segment.
2: <laughs> I would like to hear the Crow Brothers do one of our songs, too. Those guys are so talented. But, again, I don't know that they'd, uh, they'd be like, what is this crap?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's. This is a, a good spot to ask you about. Uh, I think we might have talked about it with Horace Green. I can't remember. Um, the imposter syndrome. Do you have imposter syndrome when you get up on stage?
2: I do not because I just feel like I'm so myself, like I can't be anything but myself. Mm-hmm. But I I could see, I uh, full disclosure, I see certain people up on stage and I'm like, I, you're just trying to be Tim Schweiger. You're just <laughs> trying to be this. You're just trying to be that. And I, I've come to a place where it's like, if you enjoy that, just do that. You know, if that works for you, I'm I'm not. Yeah, I, I know that thing and it happens a lot. <laughs> um, but again, like, I think it's really hard to be yourself up there because you're so like naked. Like, you have to kind of pick a zone and stick to it. You
0: almost have to turn your brain off. Uh huh.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where if I'm I'm playing a Dylan tribute show and I'm playing Dylan songs, it's hard not to try to sing like Bob. You know, it's like, no, Freddie, you need to sing like Freddie. <laughs> like I, I've had friends over the years, you know, they get up on stage and they get into character and they're speaking with a British accent. It's like, dude, <laughs> I mean, I get that you can do that, but it's like, ah, oh, I just, I myself, I can't do that. Like I just, yeah. I would feel like an imposter and I, I'm not comfortable with that. So.
1: Let's talk about Milo music. So Milo <laughs> music, you, do you take in a lot of shows during Milo music and, Red Hawks played No, because it
2: yeah, it's so much work as you know hauling your gear around um, I finally got smart um, two miles ago where we bought a car I bought a cart to put all our stuff on <laughs> mm-hmm. and wheel it around which is I should have did that right from the get-go um but yeah I mean it's it's more like if you have a band of, of a four piece or five piece like for us it's like kind of wrangling cats to make sure everybody's <laughs> at the right spot at the right time so that falls on me I'm the I'm the guy who does that in the band. So, yeah, I'm usually just trying to make sure, hey, where are you? We need to be here? like so I'd taken a little bit of other bands at of Music, but um, like this last year i didn't I didn't attend at all, um, which was. I- I needed a break. <laughs> I needed a break from that kind of music, that style of so many bands mm-hmm. in a small space. And
1: well, you've done shows there with as the duo as well. With yeah, do you, do you like doing the duo shows with Tate? That's, no, no, I
2: like the full band sound because it's it again. Like once you know those songs as like full songs with all the sound, and then you try to recreate a version of that with only two guitars and one vocal. It's I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I started saying we're not going to do the duo shows, and I don't think
1: it's got to be nice. So having that option, because like if the other people in the band can't play, you if you and Tate are open, you can still
2: we could still do it. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say we'll never do it again, do duo stuff, but it's it's definitely not my not my favorite. Did you
0: guys play? You guys played one of the first mile of musics, right?
2: We've played all of them except for this past one. That
0: might have been the first show I saw of you guys. Do you remember where where? I think it, I was not old enough to be in those bars, but I think Bill Grazley yeah. snuck me into the bar. The bar <laughs> that I think is where I saw you guys. Yeah, I mean, time. I think
2: we played there at the bar almost every mile. Yeah, um, that's we. They put us there, have put us there a lot. Um, and Doozies was first mile too. Like I think we only played one or two sets first mile. I think everybody local didn't have a ton because I think they were still trying to figure out like. How do we sprinkle in local bands with all these cool bands from out of
1: town that we're bringing in? So, have you guys played Appleton Beer Factory? I know Tony, you guys have. No, we're we're not in that zone where
2: we get asked to do those kind of shows. Like we've never played any Mile of Music or Mile of Music Family booked shows. Where it's the people who are booking Mile of Music. We've never played any of those kind of shows um the satellite mild music satellite shows or things that are similar to that those are go to different kinds of bands for whatever reason and i've asked about it a few times like hey you do know we we would we would do this probably if you asked and i just we just don't get asked to do that but i was i've thought about this a lot too it's like i don't know that and this is not this is just for us personally i don't know that we're that kind of band like i identify more with the the, a lot of the people I've been mentioning through the interview like they're not the kind of bands that would necessarily do those shows either like in their bands that did Milo music for a year or a couple of years and they're like yeah, it's not really our our thing so it's like i i'm we're in this weird space where this cool music festival is in our town and it's like well we probably should participate because it's in our town um but also like I don't know that we fit it's a it's a weird feeling i don't you know I don't know how to verbalize it and it's not we're not too good, certainly that 's not what i 'm saying we're We just do what we do, but um yeah, music to me is i again, I come from this place of punk rock where it 's like it's so strong in me, and I have to work against it like i don 't trust a lot of musicians who didn't grow up playing punk rock i just i don 't feel like i 'm the same kind of cat as them and i I know that's not fair at times, but yeah it's it 's always this internal dialogue in my, in my brain, so yeah, it was nice to have a break from from mild this summer because again it's for me personally it's a lot of work making sure everybody's at the right place all the gears uh, you got to make sure people's gear is operational too like hey Mm -hmm. when's the last time you switched the tubes do you have new strings like (laughs) like all this stuff that's the way my brain works is like i'm that guy in the band who has to kind of oversee that a little bit and uh that's a lot a lot of work and again my family doesn't see me for like four or five days so that's kind of hard to you know and my businesses are still running at that point too so hey guys if you need anything for the next four days don't call me unless it's (laughs) the building's on fire kind of thing
1: yeah you've got two children are they fans of Red Hawks yeah yeah they are actually um my older
2: daughter uh she and I like the same music now it took her a while to go through different phases as it does with any kid you know like they like what's on the radio or what their friends are into um but now like we, the stuff we listen to it's like she listens to a lot of the bands that we grew up liking a lot and then there's a lot of new stuff that kind of references that but it's doing its own thing too and so she yeah she's in the same zone and then my my 10 year old she she loves anything i do so you know when your kids are younger so hopefully she continues to but
1: we'll we'll see how it goes <laughs> What's uh, what's up next for the Red Hawks?
2: Uh, we, like I was mentioning earlier, uh, we have a, a new album ready to go in and be recorded. We're just trying to figure that out. We've had a lot of uh, things in our schedule come up where it's like, yeah, we, we need to wait another couple weeks because you've got this going on or I've got this going on or whatever. So the the plan is to be going into the studio in the next uh, month or so here. Um, and we just have to coordinate that with Steve
0: McCabe. So that's... Can we expect some tuba? <laughs> on this one.
2: You know, I would I I've wanted to have a tuba in our recordings in the past. Although this new batch of songs is not folky really. It's not it's kind of getting more back to like um, Okay, we're still going to sound like Hawks cuz I sound like what I sound like, but it's going to reference more of this emotional hardcore Midwestern emo. Like it's going to sound more like my earlier influences, uh, you know, bands like Imp- um, Ian McKay's, uh, project after minor threat embrace is the name of it. I love that. Um, a little bit of Dag Nasty, although the guitars are not going to be as searingly fast. Like Brian Baker is an amazing guitar player. Um, take could do that, but I couldn't play the other parts that go along with that. A lot of chugging, a lot of fast chugging and, and going all over the place. Um, uh, so more of that, D.C. post-hardcore stuff, and then Midwestern emo, and then a little bit of you know other indie rock sounds in there. So it's not going to be so folky. Or,
0: you guys um, played some of the new stuff at uh, the Oshkosh yeah, wh- what Main Street you, Music Fest, right? You,
2: did you hear some of that? Yeah. You know, what is you, what's your take on it? Because I, I know what I wanted it to sound like, what I, I kind of feel like it sounds like. What do you think? I thought it
0: sounded like...
2: It's a little bit of Radiohead, Radiohead in there too, I guess. I
0: felt maybe it was a, a little more like open-ended, mm-hmm. maybe a little more experimental. Yeah, a little, uh, maybe a little grungier.
2: Yeah, so that's that kind of like that sound, like a uh, little bit of I, another big influence of mine would be like Sunny Day Real Estate. So kind of already what we're doing vocal-wise, but making the guitars and the song structure kind of match match that a little bit. Well,
1: both both of you guys and Tate have really good guitar tone so it's evident to me that you spent time on that <laughs> are you a like a, a pedal guy constantly tinkering with pedals
2: i used to a lot but again like i do much better with things simple so like i if you get a pedal with like more than three knobs on it i get a little overwhelmed like in the I'm moment right there with you three um, knobs
1: that's a lot of knobs i know i agree like two
2: or one is perfect um, for me so i've i found the more i've tried stuff the more pedals i bought the less i use these things so i'm down to minimal pedals but yes i like that i found like for me i like a to get the tone i want i want an ac um style circuit so my current amp is a morgan ac 20 so a little more um power than an vox ac15 but similar tone i love that jangly kind of brighter tone um but i've been darkening it up lately too but i used to try to do that with pedals but now i'm just there's a darker setting on the amp and i've been playing Mm -hmm. those are great amps too yeah i love that amp um so, yes, I've had a lot of pedals, but again, when I'm playing mostly r- rhythm guitar, I'm not using like a delay pedal with eight knobs on it, like that's more the lead guitar player's zone. You so.
0: probably think how I think when I'm playing a show where it's like I don't want anything else in the way of the yeah. music,
2: yeah, and I can't be up there dancing while I'm singing, you know, tapping <laughs> with my foot jumping all over the place like it's it's not a good yeah, not a good thing, yeah.
1: Well, Freddie, I want to thank you for doing this today and then Tony, I want to thank you for co-hosting. It was it was fun to see you again. Yeah, thanks and for having me. Hopefully, we'll hear the we'll hear Red Hawks next uh release 2023.
2: Yeah, 2023. We're not going to I don't think we're going to do it all at once. I think we're going to do a song here or two songs there. We'll drop them in parts and then they'll be you can get the whole thing if you want when they're all done, but I think we're well, it's been so long since we've had a release for us. It's been a long time. So we want to just get, as we get a song or two, get them out there right
1: away. Mm-hmm. And uh, question for Tony, when is that music video coming out?
0: What music video? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and question for Freddie, when when are you guys going to do a music video? I don't think you guys have done one yet, have we you? We
2: have not done one. Um, if there's someone who wants to work with us, we, we're, we're down. Um, but I would say I don't want it to be straightforward. I want it to be more like uh, it's telling some kind of story. I don't want it to be us in a room just playing our instruments. Mm-hmm. I'd prefer if we don't, we're we not even in it with our instruments, or we're not even in it at all. Like but a
0: soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: That's yeah. kind of what I like. But
1: yeah. All right, I'll actually end it for real this time. You've been watching Fox City's Core on WCZR, New Rock for New Radio, Code Zero Radio. <laughs>